With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mike on Howie, Chris on Soups, Mace on Hal, and Matt on Group. Wake up Wednesday and we feeling it like nothing can intrude as we read in the tome of big stacks, singles bagged and boarded, fitted in a box in the lab recording. Thoughts as they come, whatever they be. Comics is a world that we become. Sit back, listen to the man he sold. Wherever you are, wherever you're from, the Wednesday show is for all of y'all who leaf through books in solitude. Open up worlds that you dream of. The following show is from us to you. Peace. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Wednesday Comic Book Show. It's me, Mike, your host, talking about comics, talking about life, talking about stuff. And I got a bad one for you. This is going to be a bad one. A Halloween-themed episode of the Wednesday Comic Book Show. And the reason that I went through with it is because I wanted to address holiday-themed things. I don't like them. I don't understand why... I don't know anyone who does like them. Who wants in the history of anything for there to be a huge detour from business as usual or from a story or from a plot line or from continuity to do a story based on a holiday. It simply doesn't compute in my mind. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why it happens. I don't understand why it's so popular. It's like, is it like marketers who are like, oh, during Christmas time, people go and they buy stuff. They buy tons of stuff. They'll buy our stuff too, right? Let's make Black Panther. Let's take from Ta-Nehisi Coates. Let's take his continuity just out of the picture and let's, make a holiday Christmas-themed version of it. So you're telling this amazing story. You're telling this wonderful, game-changing story for this character. Let's stop and do Christmas in Wakanda. We ain't never seen that shit before. How do they do it? They probably do it in some kind of countercultural way. They probably do it in a way that challenges our values and morals. Actually... Now that I'm talking about it, that one would be more interesting because there's a there's a there's a work. There's like a there's a twist to it. There's an angle. At least the angle is fresh. In every other situation, it's like Batman has to have a Halloween story because he's Batman. Because he's scary. Scarecrow will put fear toxin in you. And then all the people who are dressed in costumes, little kids, will become become those things. You'll hallucinate that, and then there'll be real witches, and there'll be real ghouls, and there'll be real monsters. And isn't that so fucking crazy? Because Gotham is a scary place. I don't get it. So both of the comics that I've been keeping up with, Batman and Green Lanterns, 
are doing Halloween specials. So Green Lantern's number eight. You got Sam Humphreys and Ed Bennis. And this is a what I did in, enjoy, what I did like about at least the Green Lantern's Halloween special was that it set up something that's going to happen in, it's going to continue through this. So instead of like like what Batman did, which was let's do a sort of crossover big Halloween special arc that does have a tie-in, like they do make it, they do connect it, but it's kind of flimsy and you didn't need need this. For Green Lantern's, it was the story of Rami the Guardian, who has come down to Earth and is looking for Hal Jordan. It's his story continued, and also Halloween is happening in the background. So it's a little less, it's a little less uh, ham-fisted. It's a little less prominent. It's a little less ob- ob- obtrusive. Honestly, that's the word that I'm looking for. Obtrusive. It just like gets all up in the way. So we open on the Dominators. If you remember those alien race that was like apparently in Green Lanterns number one, it's been so long. There was like an editorial note that they had been in Green Lanterns number one. And I totally forgot that that happened. Um, So the Dominators are on Earth. They're trudging through the woods with their fucking big teeth looking like vampire Batman. Um, And last we left the story, they were on their way to fuck shit up. Or at the very least, that's what Rami running down the street screaming, the Dominators are coming, the Dominators are coming, had led us to believe. Meanwhile, it's Halloween, and the Lanterns are looking for Rami. Um, Again, he's that rogue guardian, the guy who created the Phantom Ring. And the Phantom Ring is a power ring that can be worn by anyone. It doesn't have to choose you. You can slip it on, and then you have all of the power that a Green Lantern ring has without any of the... The pre-check. It's like it's like getting a loan that you don't have to pre-qualify for. Everyone can just have it. And this and this issue was cool. You you, you got a few flashbacks um, to Rami's young guardian life when he made the Phantom Ring. At, and the twist here is that what I had assumed was that he's this rogue guardian who made this Phantom Ring and was safeguarding it because. He thought it was a good invention in contradistinction to the other Guardians who thought it was very dangerous. What actually is happening is that he, since he created the ring and since he got excommunicated, has been trying to destroy the damn thing. But he can't. Like, he's he says shit like, I threw it into Mount Doom. I fucking... Uh, hit it with Thor's hammer. I, I did all this shit. None of it fucking works. And I've just been getting old, excommunicated, sad, alone, ashamed. Uh, And I was looking for Hal Jordan because he would somehow help me destroy this fucking thing. And so it makes a little bit more sense. Long story even longer, um, the Dominators get handled pretty quickly uh, it looks like uh, Jessica Cruz, the one Green Lantern, the Lantern who couldn't make constructs, is just balling out of control now. She traps him up in a cage. She's making constructs. She's doing the damn thing. Simon Baz doing the damn thing. Uh, they're going to now continue with this quest, this mission to destroy the fucking um, Phantom Ring. Last page. Very interesting page. A 
Unabomber type dude with like guns and backpacks and shit in his trunk uh, is driving on the highway headed to Dearborn. Dearborn, Michigan, by the way, is where Simon Bass lives um, and where the lanterns are and where this whole this whole situation with the Dominators and with Rami and the kids doing Halloween, blah, 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 where it took place. And the next issue is entitled The Phantom Lantern. Looks like this guy knows about the Phantom Ring, wants the Phantom Ring, and is be- going to become the Phantom Lantern. Sort of defeats the purpose of the, of the Phantom Ring, it, like if if somebody t- assumes the identity of a phantom lantern, I'd rather it just be like some shit that just exists in the DCU, and every once in a while it'll pop up in a different comic book, and just a civilian or something will get a hold of the fucking thing and cause a ruckus, or they can integrate it into a huge event where like instead of when Kyle Rayner fixed Blackest Night, it's just like a random dude who gets a hold of a ring or some shit like that. It it has so much versatility that it can just simply exist in the world and doesn't have to be tied to anybody like a Phantom Lantern. Although that is also a cool idea. Just a person who has no, no like extreme or exceptional willpower extreme or exceptional hope extreme or exceptional rage just like a regular fucking person who becomes a lantern and what would they do what would their thing be doesn't necessarily have to be evil although that is the impression i came away with batman number eight this really fucking pissed me off it pissed me off because this is part of a story that is taking place across issues it's a crossover event and i'm not gonna buy those issues i'm just not gonna buy those issues i am only solely interested in batman that's all i'm interested in is in this story batman duke his sidekick alfred that's it i don't want to know anything about batwoman i don't want to know anything about nightwing i don't care about halloween but yet here we are so we open on batman he's fighting this giant monster with 15 heads if you remember from the last podcast where i talked about this Basically, there there are these mutating fucking monsters that Hugo Strange is making, and there's like, and they look disgusting. There's like a baby with a fucking giant eyeball for a head, just walking around like that. His his eyeball is like one of those punching bag things that boxers use, the speed bag. And here we open up with a giant monster. He has fifteen heads, vertical heads, not like not like Cerberus where they're popping out, but like head on top of head on top of head on top of head times 15. Um, and w- what we find out through Duke and they're, they're doing this thing where Duke is becoming the new Tim Drake. Um, and he is being compared to Tim Drake as, and and one point he even says like my, I don't have the sort of scientific cap- capabilities that Tim Drake had, but turns out that he sort of does. And, it is not a perfect substitution. Like he'll definitely have crazy amounts of differences, but it is it is a substitution nonetheless. And he's filling in that role of being of being like highly deductive, of having the scientific mind, of being able to fight. Um, but Batman is keeping him very close to the chest because since you know Jason Todd, Tim Drake, whenever somebody dies, Batman gets fucking insane and tyrannical as far as his sidekicks are concerned. He shouldn't he just he just should not have sidekicks. That's the answer. Um uh, but anyway, Duke finds out 
that the reason that they're being mutated or, or what, what's contributing to their mutation is the juice. It's the venom. It's they're fucking Brock lesnar out. They're, uh, they're Barry Bonds out. If you remember from the first arc, Psycho Pirate, and this happened at the very last issue, the very last panel, Amanda Waller's talking to Batman, and we find out that Psycho Pirate was exchanged to Bane. Psycho Pirate, the one who drove everyone crazy in the first arc, was exchanged to Bane, and Bane gave some venom to Hugo Strange. That was the transaction. That was the deal. And Hugo Strange is using it to juice up some zombie monsters, which is what kind of fucking plan? I don't know. I don't know why you would do this, but he fucking did it. Um, turns out that Nightwing and Gotham Girl also got turned out into these giant, juiced-up, crazy monsters. Nightwing is like this giant bird, and Gotham Girl is this grotesque monster. Um, and I would have known that and not been surprised by it if I had read the other installments of the story. But Halloween specials are fucking ridiculous wastes of time. Even in Gotham, there I said it. Uh, anyway, so Gotham Girl is a giganto fucking monster who's way too big for Batman, and Batman's looking at her like, fuck. But fear not, because Batman has Clayface. And I'm really interested in, in this development. Clayface's powers are so imprecise, he can, like, he's a he's a shapeshifter. He, he transmorphs his body into different types of shit. And so what he does is he makes this, like, mech suit, basically, or, that covers Batman and turns Batman into a giant fucking monster, which makes the scene look like the last few minutes of a Power Rangers episode where they're, like, fighting with their... Zo- what the fuck are those things called? Zords? What is, a, what is a fucking Power Ranger? Oh, God. I need to find this out. Power Ranger uh, Zords? Are there Zords? Yes, they're Zords. They're Zords with swords. That's the pun. Um, yeah, so they t- so they're they're fucking fighting, blah 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 blah. And Batman's actually not winning. Duke throughout the entire comic book has been like, "Batman, I'm coming down there." And Batman's like, "No, you're not." And he's like, "Yes, I am." And Batman's like, "No, you're not." And Duke's like, "Come on, though." And Batman's like, "No, though." And Duke's like, "Come on, bro." And Batman's like, "Nah, dude." And Duke's like, "But come on, man." And Batman's like, "Nah, bro." <laughs> And this just happens for an eternity. Um, Duke says, fuck Batman. I don't need to listen to that cracker. So he comes down from the Batcave and he, a little like Tim Drake after all, he develops an anti-venom. And he has it in this giant scary syringe and he pokes Gotham Girl with it. And Gotham Girl is saved. It's the... What what is it about these stories? There's always a venom or anti-venom. There's always like a Joker's laughing toxin and antitoxin, scarecrow toxin, antitoxin. There's all like you could there's a formula to these damn stories that I've been just privy to for my entire life where it's like, oh yeah, obviously that's what's going to happen. Obviously that's what has to happen. And why can't we think of a better story than that? Why can't we think of a better story than an antidote to a thing that has been used to make people crazy and mutate them and shit? It's in- I feel like all of X-Men, a lot of X-Men is about that shit where it's like, 
beast is, is coming up with a new a new serum or something like that. There's probably something that exists, and there's probably a connection to big pharma, to like the medical revolution of the 1950s, like just something where a writer at one point like noticed that in American society or in, 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 in industrialized Western society in general, that there was this like fixation on medical neurotic a symptoms, but B cures. And they're like, let's, let's use that as a story device. Let's bookend this shit in something that people will understand to the point where it's become such a trope where you're like, okay, fine. Yeah. Now this one's over. Let's go to the next one. He made the antitoxin. The story's over. Let's go to the next one. And that's what we do. Luckily, luckily, and this is the saving grace, Batman fans, even though this story's going to continue and there's going to be a conclusion, Batman fans will not have to continue dealing with this fucking story. Batman number nine, which should be out in two weeks, will get us back on track with Bane, Psycho Pirate, and take place in Santa Prisca. And it sounds like from the little blurb that they give you previewing the next issue that it's going to be a Suicide Squad mission and that Amanda Waller is going to be a part of that. I'm excited for that. I genuinely believe that holiday specials are just the worst. Keep them out of continuity. Keep them out of continuity. Just make a fucking... Uh, I don't know what to do. I don't understand the business enough, but just keep them out of continuity. If you're doing Batman, just do Batman. Does Scott Snyder have a fucking random any type of holiday arc that's not the best comparison because scott snyder kind of took this more seriously than it probably needed to so like taking a break for joy and merriment doesn't really fit his model but tom king is a little more playful with his batman so i don't know Super, super disappointing Wednesday of comics, but that's what the fuck happens. Everybody follow me at Light Shots, L-I-T-E-S-H-O-T-S, email interruptionsmedia at gmail.com, questions, critiques, criticisms, whatever. Um, I'm going to catch you on the next one. Bye. You ever seen a nerd speak in thin air? You ever seen such comic book flair? You ever seen two, three, four, five nerds fight and argue over made-up words? Superman, Batman, and the Green Martian approach these worlds with Supreme Court shed. Listen to us as we rant and rave. Flip and follow on to the next page. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.